it's the simple things that fuel great love. Shared laughter, a gentle touch, a kind word. Crikey, you speaking hafters? Meet the Kennedys at Lassiter's Hall at the Waterhole. A cup of tea at Harold Sonia's nursery for a stroll. It's time to neighbors. CJ Kate and Bea. Let's get the neighbors. Hello, this is Neighbours. We are the Neighbours Recap Podcast. We overanalyze episodes of the 35-year-old Australian soap opera, Neighbours, and my God, what a week. It's whew, a week in the real world and a week in the fictional world. I'm Vaya. I work in showbiz and I can't suspend disbelief. I'm here in the PirateNet studios. We have a remote connection to other locations via Grace and Global. I have Kate. Where are you situated? Buongiorno, neighbours. <laughs> Is this like Eurovision? Yeah, sure. Well, we, something has to be Eurovision. So I'm coming to you live from the Wellness Centre. Oh, very nice. CJ the Hot Mess Mum, where are you? I'm at that apartment that Izzy and Carl shared. We're a return guest to neighbours. I'd say probably the one of the biggest neighbours fans in the country Bradley Walker. Brad, hello. Thank you. And I'm actually coming from the Channel 10 studios in uh, Como, so, you know. <laughs> you have to come up with a neighbour's version of that, Brad. Um, I'm actually at Blahovers, which is um, Dasha Blahovers Cake Shop, which Maria Ramsey started. <laughs> oh, I, I, I can't take credit for that because I don't think it actually exists, but, you know. Now, you've told us before on the podcast, but remind us briefly how you came to start. Was it the first Neighbours fan club in Australia? Yeah, it was. It was. I lived in Vermont South and my parents' house uh, backed onto um, Pinot Court. So as a 13, 14-year-old kid, I was always out there in Pinot Court when they were filming. And that's probably the first thing I ever became fanatical about. And um, so much so that my schooling really suffered when I started the first Neighbours fan club when um, I wrote to TV Soap Magazine and told people to write to me and we'll we'll talk about stuff neighbours because, you know, <laughs> back in 1985, six, we couldn't actually do anything cool. Um, and so people, we were getting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of letters being sent to my parents' address with no return stamped envelopes. So basically it was just costing an absolute fortune um, until Channel 10 then basically took it over. But that led to some amazing things. So it led to constantly being asked to go, oh, Diz and Daphne getting married. Can we have you out by the car? All sorts of stuff. So it was like um, my love for TV started there. Earlier, Vaya mentioned to me that you'd been at Des and Daphne's wedding. So I just watched tonight yes. Des and Daphne's wedding. And I think I may yep. have taken a screenshot of these two people lurking in um, Ramsey Street watching on. I'm sure it'll be me. I'm sure it'll be me. <laughs> it was um, – because it was a completely different time. So I work in TV now and for us to have a child on set on anything it has to have so many um, forms and everything done. But basically then, there's a scene in Neighbours where I'm riding my bike throwing a newspaper into Nell Mangle's garden. <laughs> there's all different things. They just let us do whatever we wanted to do and it was such an amazing thing. It was just for the basically the two years that I constantly hung around the set, it was incredible. Um you know, I was there on Jason Donovan's very first day of filming. Really? Where I've got an autograph from him which says, hey, Brad, watch me in Neighbours. And, you know, it's it's incredible. It's like, you know, and I will, I will admit in the latter years, my love is still there. But 
I just don't have the time to watch the show as much as I used to. But it's, um, you know, it's 35 years. I would never have thought that when I was a little kid watching that show and collecting fan cards and doing all sorts of stuff that 35 years later that we would be celebrating such an iconic show. It, it amazes me. It's actually amazing watching the old episodes that, yes, it is here 35 years later. I thought it wasn't cancelled in the first year. Well, Wasn't aside it from actually cancelled. Well, it was. No, but well, the, well, the first year at Channel Ten. It was only because it never raced in Sydney. That's why Channel Seven got rid of it. It was such an expensive show to run. But you know, it was like I remember when we got word that it was actually going to be going on Channel Ten, and that's when I started. That's when I basically started at the Neighbours Fan Club. And then after that first year of how popular it was with the introduction of new characters and the amount of money that you can see channel 10 actually put into it that's when it just like exploded and um probably affected me now working in tv not being a very good student just like erinsborough high kids just like erinsborough high kids exactly so it's like it's quite amazing i spoke to jason on the tv show i work with and we we were discussing a lot of that because it was just incredible like that he can still have a career also after this of such longevity that he's got it's like from a single soap opera it's brilliant now i saw that annie jones was trying to entice a few of them back including jason and now he's obviously his daughter's playing harlow on the show what do you think it's going to take to get him back i I agree with what he said what he said is when he went and visited the set and everyone went crazy him going back on the show would be a bigger sort of thing and it would over overcast what he's meant to be doing coming back as the character so i understand why he wouldn't do it but i heard a rumor today and i need to get this that kylie flinker the original lucy robinson is in one of the wedding crowds from this week yeah so i need to go back and look at everything because apparently they were trying to get sasha cloth kylie flinker and lucy bell in the same area so i need to i need to know if that's true so, oh, wow. This um, is one for CSI um, Neighbours, yeah, it isn't is. it? CSI Erinsborough. It's going to be great. Or can, CSI can... Anson's Corner because they've got better cops. <laughs> and coffee. Can we go back to um, Des and Daphne's wedding for a moment, seeing I've yeah. just binged it? Yeah. One thing I found kind of amazing was that there was three members of that wedding party that were on the street this week. So yeah. um, do you remember who walked Daphne down the aisle? Well, I think it was it, was it Paul? No, it was no. Clive. Oh, wow. Because the thing with that day is it was the wettest day. I remember it being so wet. I've got the photo of me and Daphne um, by the wedding car, which I think is a Ford Escort or something. It poured rain the whole day. And then typical sunny sort of days, as soon as the sun came out, they just rushed them to go do it in this white taffeta dress. But I And then they actually so had a long. horse and cart as well for the bride. The horse and cart as well, yep. They had the horse and cart, and then they were going around different parts of like Gels Park and different parts around Gels Road where they were having people. They had, if you actually look at it, we're the same people waving at the horse and cart going past <laughs> other areas. So like continuity, I don't know who was working on it that day, but it it was pretty scary. I think maybe the uh, fucket bucket existed back in 1986 as well. Pretty sure it did. Um, I actually was looking at some old autographs that I had um, during the week, and I actually had the autograph of the continuity person from from Neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> I just I supposed to got everyone's autograph. I've got John Holmes, which I was very excited. I saw that, and I have someone who is the continuity. <laughs> also, Des and Daphne's flower girl was Lucy. Lucy, yes. Oh. But that was Sasha, no, it was Sasha Close, wasn't it? It was Lisa Robinson number no, two, wasn't it? Number one. It was Kylie, Kylie. Klinker. Oh, my God. Kylie Klinker's a fantastic stage name. 
Flinker. Oh, Flinker. <laughs> Still good. Kylie Clink would be a better one. <laughs> Pascal's would sign her. I just don't understand how with the three Lucys that they didn't try and make them look remotely similar. Oh, exactly. It's like, you know, because imagine Clive Gibbons trying to cut Melissa Bell's tracheonomy when she looks completely different. <laughs> Have I gone too far back for you guys? Sorry. No, no, no. I, I remember that. The beasting, yeah. Because actually when we had Jeff Payne on, he mentioned that that was his crowning achievement as a doctor on the show. <laughs> yeah, since then he's just all red tape. He doesn't do any actual doctoring. I don't think his current partner's letting him. Also, Paul was a groomsman as well. And a special um, little Easter egg, I guess, for the fans was that the church they got married in was former former Father's Church in Caulfield. No. Oh. So that's Jack, Father Jack, who was a lapsed Catholic priest who got amnesia, then remembered he was a priest, then left the priesthood to be with Olympia Valance and now has since decided to rejoin the priesthood. Former, former father. I had totally forgotten that he had amnesia. <laughs> what was that? Was that from the collapse? Yes, he saved Paige. Yes, and she she waited out by his bedside. Oh, what a what a slow burn to mediocrity that relationship ended up being. <laughs> Certainly started more exciting than it ended. Mm. Now, going to get into more wedding chat. Let's do a little bit of neighbours council business. The business again. So, firstly, obviously. The virus, we're all in isolation. We're leading by example. Obviously, we're going to sound a little bit different than we usually do, but hey, it's a different week. Why not mix it up? Nothing, there are no rules this week, as we've learned in Erinsborough and elsewhere. Also, just a note to our patrons at patreon.com slash neighbours pod. If you're in a position where you're not earning an income at the moment because of quarantines and viruses, please pause your patronage. I wouldn't, we would not be offended for even one moment. We're really grateful for all the support you have given. And if you need to pause your membership or lower it to um, Dr. Carl level, that's totally fine. And we encourage you to do that if you're, we don't want you to stretch yourself. So uh, even though I like having 80 patrons, I'll be okay. And gals, the Neighbours Council Facebook group going off. We started episode threads this week discussing each of the 35 editions. Oh, it's been a bonanza and I've loved every second. So thanks to everyone who's commented. You know what, Bea? I sometimes when I message um, someone famous and they take days to read my message, I think, well, you know what? They wake up to like billions of notifications every morning. (laughs) So I'm not going to be offended. And then that is what this week has been like for me. Yep. Because I wake up and the other side of the world has watched some episodes and they have had feelings and I really enjoy it. Yeah, same. It was my first taste of what it's like to just wake up to a flurry of notifications. It's been wonderful. Well, I might actually keep it going, not for every single episode, but I might put up one thread each week and we can have all of our shenanigans in that thread and it'll be a fun time. Sounds like a plan. This is business. It's not personal. What we are going to do this episode is we are going to analyse the wedding week. So the early episodes, we've dealt with Endgame, quote unquote, the late night episodes. Firstly, I just watched it again, that finale, and I was really riled up and tense all over again. Um, Brad, what's what was your reaction to the week at large? Watching Endgame, I thought, it's like the same as I felt when I saw Erinsborough High. I thought, geez, they do some really good stuff when they're allowed to do it a little bit out of their time slot. Rob Mills, I'm, I'm, he's 
makes Paul Robinson look like Mother Teresa. He's unbelievable <laughs> in this. Um, I was so shocked and uh, I'm, I just just amazed at the whole thing. It was just, you know, it was great. You know, it was tense. When Neighbours does something a little bit differently, they're incredible. And I really think that everyone involved in that has to really be very proud of what they've done because it also shows Channel 10 and 5 in the UK have really tried to stand behind it and make it something which is a bit different, which the UK do so well. We don't do it as well here and we don't usually support our shows and do really big things for big milestones. Um, but I think I think it was great. I thought it was wonderful. Brad, one of my favourite things about Endgame, Robert Millsy Mills just slowly over the week, well, over the months, but over the week turning more and more into a psychopath. At the end, oh. that last episode, the bounce in his walk. Yeah. He's he's guaranteed himself some um some psychopaths in other shows, hasn't he? He's he's absolutely amazing. He was so good. So good. Going from from Australian Idol and stuff like that will do that to you, I'm pretty sure. So you know. <laughs> yeah. He's been damaged. But, Dicko. <laughs> he, he's got that fresh faced boy next door who's actually secretly a complete psycho. Yeah. When he was actually in the tent, he was shirtless and you're like going, look at him so clean cut, so wonderful. But then you just see the face and it's just all distorting. It was like the scream coming to life. It was great. <laughs> if they don't have Harlow come back and start a true crime podcast series about him, I'll be sorely disappointed. <laughs> Oh, she's going to be like that um, woman who um, escaped being abducted by Ted Bundy and then became a true crime um, author. Oh, Anne Rule. Yes. Is that what happened to her? Wow. Oh, sorry. No, she worked next to him. Anne Rule like sat beside Ted Bundy and then wrote a memoir about it at work. Well, to be fair, at this point in the week, we don't know if Harlow is going to make it to write her uh, true crime. Don't know. Oh, yeah, because neighbours lied to us and said there were going to be three deaths this week and five weddings and we got... Two deaths and four weddings. I'm still yes. saying one and a half deaths. We do not know for sure that Gazcan is cactus. Mate. Gazcan is dead. Kate, you've got a colour for everything. You worked in the textiles industry. What colour was his face? Oh, porcelain. <laughs> See? Oh, I was going to say what, a what, Yeah. Oh, what what colour is his face normally? That's the question. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's still kind of off-white, beige, kind of. Pewter. <laughs> no. <laughs> It's not looking good. I felt like it was eggplant mixed with, um, a, a, you know, a white eggplant. Um, oh. It's know. more like a hard-boiled egg. Yeah, yeah mm. I'm sure he's going to start using the white eggplant emoji now, isn't he? So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Now, speaking of Gazcan, I have to say, I'm harking back to this Des and Daphne wedding episode. I've got a controversial theory for you guys that I think is probably a bit oh. more relevant to Brad. What's that, Kate? My theory is that Gazcan's real father isn't Frank Canning. It's Tom Ramsey. How did you come to that? I know well, Tom I Ramsey got around a bit. Well, just I was looking at him while I was watching the wedding and I thought, geez, he is a dead ringer for Gaz Kang. Also, you know when I went they're back not, to- They're not really their kids. <laughs> that Neighbours is, does plausible family casting really well these days <laughs> and they retcon the crap out of every situation. So what I, what I like here is that Tom's wife was Doreen and I feel like, well, maybe that was just like, a, um, you know, like Sheila, Colette Mann, was Doreen in Prisoner. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, he was in Prisoner as well. Everyone kind of was in the day, weren't they? <laughs> yeah. um, but maybe Sheila just had an affair with a, with a Vietnam vet who was just strayed from his wife. But the best part of this theory is this would make Gazcan, the brother of Gemma Ramsey, which would make Coyle and Roxy... First cousins. Yes. Oh, no. oh. that's oh, what it's I'm talking about. the royal about. family. That's exactly what I'm here for. 
You know what? I won't have any of it to do with it. Sheila cheating on Frank. <laughs> she would never have done that. Who's to say? Yeah, I mean, Frank just... Frank wasn't the greatest husband, was he? She's admitted that in the past. But she is a great wife. And she did drink a lot. So she might not remember. She... And if it was during the war, like Vietnam War or something, people have different rules. Yeah, men rationing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to have to do that soon. <laughs> Maybe Frank was like yeah. a wartime buddy of Tom. The one that got away. Please, I want my words to go from like straight into the um, scriptwriter's ears. That is a great storyline, though. So I think it's brilliant. Oh yeah, that's quite the likeness. Yeah, that is. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I would say Gazcan with a touch of Marlene Kratz in there. <laughs> <laughs> I buy it. I buy it. So, should we talk about Monday, the sixteenth of May, twenty twenty? <laughs> have the Wedding Expo, Lasseter's Wedding Expo, which seems to run for the entire week. Uh, the longest expo in history. It's odd to have a midweek wedding expo as well. Well, we don't know which day it is. Like, it could have started on Saturday. And there's talk on Monday about Chloe being so proud or should be so proud of the event. And it's like, look, there's a few stands, but mainly it's just people that live on your street walking around, which is a bit weird. And marrying each for other. an expo. Those people are not booking weddings. Yeah, and half of them are marrying each other for free. They wanted to see Charlene's dress. That's all they wanted to do. Oh, God, yes. And wasn't it, I have to say, it could have been displayed a bit nicer or oh. either that or it's or it's just that the memories of it made it seem a little bit more grand than it was. Mm. You would have liked it in a, in a glass box or something, Kate? I would. I want moody lighting. I want it to look like Farlap at the Melbourne Museum. <laughs> yeah. Stuffed. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I want Kylie in it, circa 87. <laughs> There's a joke there. I won't make it. <laughs> you don't have to. Now, that's one of many Easter eggs that the fans get is obviously Charlene's dress. And we'll touch on as many of them as we can that clearly the production's thrown in little tidbits that hark back to yesteryear and we'll recap them at the end if we miss any. Now, we have Tim Collins' stall to kick us off. Which is like a divorce stall. I guess it was like the prenup stall, which yeah. doesn't scream romance at a wedding, does it? But it's practical. Yeah, his sign said, be prepared for every possibility. It's very wise. It's just really good marketing because who buys prenups? People who are planning a shoddy wedding at a suburban hotel. Yeah. So <laughs> this is perfect. It felt a little spring racing carnival to me, this whole vibe. Maybe they filmed them at the same time. It's all weird because this is the hotel that is famous for having the webcam in the bedrooms. Mm. Like, who would be going to get married there? Like, are they going to put in a special deal for, like, you know, we'll, oh, we'll shout you a video of your wedding night as well? Free streaming. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see a videographer stall. That was very telling. Tarage is all over the shop all week. She's panicking because they don't have these five five display weddings to put on. But it's like, guys, you came up with that number. The general public does not care. And are you getting some sort of kickback from having how many weddings you're going to have there, even though you're giving them away for free? Maybe they promise the stall holders, we're going to have five weddings this week. We're going to have so and many three people deaths. just drawn. <laughs> and three we're going to have so many people just drawn to the expo to witness these five weddings. Um, yeah, you'll have short on deaths and weddings. She can't be trusted. We have a first cameo. And it's rando. It's Melbourne Radio's Gold FM's 
Christian O'Connell, who's obviously from the UK first. It was very peculiar, wasn't it? Brad, you're shocked. I am shocked. I, I, I saw him and I went, oh my goodness, couldn't they get someone better? <laughs> He's a fan. Again, and then he, he's also an Easter egg for the English viewers, so you know. Just because he's English? Or did he have any other connection? He was a big um, morning breakfast um, radio host over there before they brought him over here. And he has been flying the neighbor, the neighbor's flag and the neighbor's flag on his radio show. He's given us both shout-outs, so, and he he's happy to be a guest on this podcast, so... Happy to have Christian, but man, that was weird. He was playing this sleaze ball that was trying to buy wedding packages for future brides. Yeah, and maybe he was also trying to pick up Susan a bit. She was into it. Yeah, I got that vibe. She was, yeah, she was thinking about it. Would you like to make a time to discuss my services with you and your partner? Oh, I don't have a partner. Uh, I just thought a prepaid wedding is a great gift to dangle to get one. It's gold. Hey, I suppose you're single. So you guys all heard, oh, that's gold. I was like, Yes, oh. that is, yes, I did. I- she was cute though. It is nice to feel like you've still got it. What I loved about the early episodes and the evening episodes is that they dovetailed. So there were characters that would pop up in both and uh, time frames that were referenced in one and then there was seeds planted and paid off later. And obviously we have the Islanders, the um, glamping gang, uh, setting off on their big adventure at the start of the week. And, uh, yeah, B was driving the Fitzgerald Motors van to get to the island. Oh, it looked like a kidnapper's van. Hmm. It's a bit telling, hey? Yeah, exactly. Now, obviously, the elephant in the room is clearly if this was happening in real time, the entire expo would have been cancelled. People would be self-isolating. So we're just going to have to roll with the theatre of the mind that This is in a different universe. But going to a small island with a group of well people would probably be fine. (laughs) Yeah, there was under 10 of them, so they're being very good with their social distancing. So well done. Kyle and Roxy weren't. No, no. Killing two of them Mm. makes it even more social distancing. (laughs) Honestly, I prefer to be at home, locked in my house, rather than out getting killed on an island. But, you know, that's just me. Or at the expo. (laughs) Actually, Um, I think a couple of them are happy they're dead now because they didn't have to go to the expo. So... (laughs) Um, And Finn's whole excuse, the thing that snowballs the week, kicks it off, is Finn rushes to the expo to bring Susan her celebrant folder, which, Susan, you had one job. That's your one prop. But he runs it over to her and then Lucy Robinson spots him, calls him out for being a terrorist on the premises, and that triggers him into his revenge plot and his immediate reaction is not to, like, slag her off on the Lassiter's Facebook page. It's to put a bomb into the box she's due to open at her wedding reception. Yeah, that's oh. what he said. You can't call me a terrorist. I'll put a bomb on your expo. That'll show you that I'm not a terrorist. Mm. <laughs> oh. And if it had played out that way, hundreds of people would have died. A bride, a groom... The bridal party, the celebrant, and all the viewers instead of just poor old Prue. That was pretty funny. Which bit? The fact that she needed a drink and that, <laughs> that, you know, you shouldn't drink and drive. And I know you've just, you know, slammed your car off the road. But, like, if you drink and drive, you're going to blow up. That should be what TAC <laughs> and the different road corporations yeah. are doing. Yeah, there should be billboards. Now, uh, Samazan's all nervy. He's got Annalise PTSD and he feels like he's going to stuff up this wedding day. Back in the old days, what happened when um, Mark was at the altar, he suddenly realised that he wanted to get married to Jesus rather than Kimberly Davies. So, yeah, he's having the nerves that the urge was going to strike him again. He's running around. He's using up all the toilet paper. That's why there's a shortage. 
because Mark Gottlieb's having a panic, but he, there's no need because it all goes off without a hitch. It's actually, I found Mark and Lucy's wedding quite low key. What do you guys reckon? I was, I was just struck by her wedding dress, which I think is one of the most beautiful wedding dresses and appropriate for a figure that we've seen in a really long time in Neighbours. Nice. Yeah, she did look good. She looked great. And their honeymoon is courtesy of Eden Hills Travel, which I noticed they called Eden Hill Travel. They left the S off. That's classic Lassiter's, though, with the lack of attention to detail. <laughs> but how shocky is that? That one of the executives at Lassiter's wins a prize from Lassiter's. Surely they're inel- ineligible. And rigged the competition so she got the prize she wanted. So the drama comes from the fact that we know that Millsy's put the bomb in the uh, Rome box. But Lucy switched the tags and she and Mark got Paris. So now Rome's up for grabs. It's it's the old double-edged sword, really, isn't it? (laughs) One thing I thought was pretty poor taste was um, Paige stealing the wedding glory from Lucy and Mark by proposing to Mark. Other Mark. Like that is... That is, oh, that's a faux pas right there. How classless. Which it was, but it was an adorable proposal. CJ? Firstly, that is awful. And I've been at a wedding that somebody really drunkenly proposed and it was terrible. Um, the person said yes, though, so there's that. Um, but I think the thing that that made it okay is that Lucy was like, oh, thank goodness, because that's an attractive couple to put on the brochures. <laughs> and she's always thinking about the marketing. I love the way Paige did it. I love, firstly, that she did it. And then she rapid fire asked him questions. What about the cake? Mud or red velvet? Caramel apple. DJ or band? Band. Chicken or fish? Both. Marry me, yes or no? Yes. Wait, what? And they're going to take the place of Tom and Ian, the previous couple that had decided to elope to Cambodia, double Easter egg, triple Easter egg there. Who are they? They are Ian Smith and was it Tom Oliver? And Tom loves working on his charity in Cambodia, so... There's all the references. Yeah. Meanwhile, Harlow and Hendrix have decided to go to the island to gate crash and they've set up their alibis as Richie and Mackenzie, their school friends, who are completely useless at upholding an alibi because by the end of the week we get the payoff of Mackenzie and Richie rolling up to the expo. What else are two 16-year-olds going to do? I can't even imagine why 16-year-olds would be there. And well, they... because the cinemas and everything are closed because of, you know, coronavirus. <laughs> so they, they had to turn up there. And all the boomers aren't closing their events. So that's the only thing they've got left. So they roll up, Tourage sees them and the whole plan unravels. And days later, they're like, oh, where's our ward and the, the neighbor's kid that we were meant to keep an eye on? So we're away. And I Rage is still holding on to a bit of misplaced rage, re her vows being used by um, Paul in a love letter to Jane. I don't mind if her rage is misplaced as long as we get it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think, since I've come back to watch the show, I don't think I've seen her smile. She's not partial to it. No, I think when she realised she was getting a fifth wedding, that's when she got a bit happier. Brad, putting on an event is very stressful. Maybe she's just got a bit of RBF going. It's her her game face at work. (laughs) CJ, you're a marketer. This is your big moment how are you feeling in that week like you want to die (laughs) well three deaths yeah i mean i would have been so annoyed that those deaths didn't happen at the expo because that will like you know bring fans for years there's already been so many deaths at lassiter's in recent years 
I know, but they have been peeling back the deaths. Every year we have less of them. <laughs> That's why the stars are going down. She has a lot of vow sass, like lots of digs at Paul too. She's sassing him right up to the point where he decides to offer to renew their wedding vows. They only got married last year. And in their little speech to each other, she says, yes, you're lucky to have me, which I, I appreciated. Words can't express how devoted I am to you. And I want to spend the rest of my life loving, protecting and worshipping you. You are lucky to have me. What's the reason why they're renewing their vows? Like whose wedding are they replacing there? Oh, dear. I think Paul just got so much guilt that, you know, like he goes, oh, let's just keep her happy. I'll just say, yeah, let's just renew it. It shows I love you. But also when in Rome, which is the, the Lassiter's Terrace, and there's no wedding because rest in peace the souls of Gazcan and Prue who were meant to wed there and it got called off. You know what kills me? The chairs that the guests were meant to sit in were gold Chiavari chairs and I desperately wanted them at my wedding six years ago. <laughs> And for love or money, I could not get them. So the fact that that pack of Bogues got to have them just really <laughs> grinds my gears. And then they didn't even and use they're them. Probably fall, they've probably fallen down in the Lassiter's Lakes now. They just put them to the side now. The expo's finished. <laughs> Look, I, I had a question, though. Where were Gru going to be going? I, I thought maybe Lassiter's Bermagui or something. I don't think they are going <laughs> to send them off to um, Lassiter's Dubai. So when she grabbed Rome, it wasn't hers. No. I think when she grabbed Rome, it was just like a random one that she just, she's just like, oh, this is the closest one, I'll grab it. It's got champagne in it, yeah. I'm as confused about the honeymoons as I am about the number of weddings. I, something got lost in the maths for me. I feel like if, with these honeymoons, they're obviously going to send them to a Lassiter's because they can't afford oh, yeah. to like pay for like decent prizes. Like, they're probably like a bit of spunk on with the flights, but surely it's, it's, a, it's a worldwide Lassiter's promotion. That means we have Lassiter's Paris, Lassiter's Rome, Lassiter's Palawan, Lassiter's Alaska. And... Oh, the Palawan one was my favourite. I love it because she goes, oh, we're going to Palawan in the Philippines. I'm like, <laughs> thank you for that because nobody knows where the hell Palawan is. Earlier in the week, Therese mentions that the sponsors, which is the Eden Hills Travel, want the boxes opened at the ceremonies, which, you know, makes us more nervous because we know there's a bomb in one of the boxes. So that's who's paying for all this. I guess you are right, though. They would have contributed with the hotel. And the whole premise hinges on Therese taking them back to her kitchen bench, the boxes, where her all of her family members and wedding guests are traipsing through. Her office is upstairs. Why not just put them up there? Because plot. Now, CJ, can I get you to talk us through Gary's standoff with Paul and Paul's opportunity here to just get dig after dig away? So now that we know R.I.P. Gary, and we talked about this on our, our other podcast about the Engen episodes, um, now we know that Gary had all these final moments with people. Mm. And so in the driveway, Paul comes down and has a massive go at Gary about how much of a loser he is and if he, you know, he's going to marry Prue and he just rips into him. Classic Paul Robinson, but it was perfect because it was their goodbye. Yeah. And it was triggered by Paul finding out that the wedding was called off and he immediately blames Gary, even though it was Prue's fault for lying to him about getting evicted from the cult. But Gary, I love Gary when like Paul like lays in a really like cutting insult and he goes, nah, you, you're bad too. You're like, it's all whatever, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and, and let's face it, you've got more children than either of us will probably ever know about, and most of them can't stand you. Oh, 
You are a waste of space, Canning. No, you are a waste of space, Robinson. And then he's all, like Gary was saying, oh, well, look at you, you got your money, but none of your kids love you. I'm like, excuse you, Gary. Paul has a wife. He's got a son who lives across the road from him. His granddaughter lives with him. He bathes in tubs of money like Uncle Scrooge style. And he hasn't just had a fight with his own son. Exactly. And Sandcan lives in Queensland. Calm down, Gary. I mean, I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but, you know. All I've done this year is speak ill of the dead. So what about when he turns to his mum, to Sheila, and goes... All right, I'm going, love you, turns to Paul, screw you. (laughs) The beautiful line he said to her was, you're the best Sheila I've ever known. You're the only Sheila I've ever known. I love that. But you can see the actors actually like genuinely smiled at each other. It was quite sweet. And I have one piece of insight from Colette Mann about what all these storylines coming up, what this was like at the time. She just goes, it was really hard. (sighs) Rough times ahead. By the way, everyone looked absolutely beautiful for what would have been the goo wedding. Like, firstly, Sheila in the aqua blue dress, stunning. And Prue in her bling looked lovely too. Oh. Oh, you didn't agree? No, I, I described it as heinous, to be honest. It was like, um, I, yeah. it was sequined, studs, pearls, bedazzled, Union Jack inspired dress. Yeah, you have it all. I think I said I didn't know Zamel's made wedding dresses, I mean, this- so it was pretty good. <laughs> I just feel it was true to brand. Like, it was very Prue. It was so Prue. I worried about her sitting down in that car because I'm like, you are going to lose about you know, half your sequins off your bum in that car. Yeah, most of the shrapnel was oh, bugle beads. She did have a bedazzler there, though. I saw her as she was reaching for the wine. It was pretty bad. Back <laughs> but Paul had the best farewell line to her. He said, he's gone to the island. Now you should pack your bags and head back to yours. Zing. <laughs> like England? Yeah, I guess so. I can't get on a flight because you've closed your borders, Paul Robinson. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Steph Mack's back in town and she's trying to find cousin-in-law Toadie. All week, we don't know why, but really she just wants him as backup for what's going to come later. As a, a meat shield for Dylan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All I was thinking during that bit was I'm going, are they just doing a Jason Donovan family reunion here? I am Devo that Harlow and Sky didn't get to be in the same scene because um, obviously no. in real life, Steph Mack is Gemma's real life auntie. Yes. Well, we don't know which guest stars are returning next week. So it ain't over. Like the plots, they're not over. In this episode, Harlow texts Gary that her mum got booted from the cult. So that seed's planted. And there's this moment where Gary's unleashing to Sheila about he's done a pivot and he wants to go to the island to reconnect with his son that he clobbered last week. And Kate, I think one of your favourite lines is when he turns to Sheila and says, I am a crap dad. That's on his headstone now. No, it says... I was a crap dad, oh. but we made up at the end. That's what it says. Well, at least with one child. <laughs> you know, what concerns me about this was his goodbye scene to Dippy in which she promised to look after the pigeons while he was away. Oh, no. <laughs> well, if your theory comes in, then he'll have a whole lot of other people to look after his pigeons from his second family. Yeah, Tom Ramsey comes back and he's like, look, I, am, I yeah, hear right. I've inherited some pigeons. <laughs> pigeons <laughs> and the seems, racing kind. Seems far more appropriate for him to be a pigeon man. <laughs> If we have to deal with stories of Dippy looking after those pigeons in grief, I don't know if I can deal with that. Set them free, Dippy. Set them free. Angry Anderson's going to have to do another sad song just to like play over the credits. <laughs> so we round off Tuesday with Sky actually revealing 
that she and Dylan Timmons have grown apart. They've been broken up for six months and she's here to actually get married herself. And obviously we find out later it's Lana Crawford and we'll talk about that when we get to it. All that you see is me Wednesday. Wednesday, I call this Kate Bait, most of this episode, because it is. this is actually the 18th of March. It is Nostalgia City. I might get Kate and Brad to take the lead on how we open the episode. Started with the taxi turning up with Des Clark, which was quite amazing. Um, but also um, opening the original credits with, was a sprinkler, wasn't it? Which we're not allowed to use anymore, I don't think. But we have sprinklers and, you know. Yeah, we've got um, Dippy and just... Shane re- recreating Des and Daphne from the 80s credits. And also that the music was the original music, was the original well. music yeah. with the ding, 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 ding at the start. So, oh, there's a little bit of nostalgia there. That's what actually what Neighbours does very well with the nostalgia. It really knows what some of its fans really want and that people actually go on with that sort of stuff. And I think they did it really well. They were so smart. Did that sprinkler moment pass over you guys via CJ? No, I got it because, as you said, Brad, we don't do sprinklers anymore because of water restrictions. So there's only one reason for them to be using a sprinkler. Mm-hmm. I hope it was worth the, the massive I fine for Marinsburg Council. but. <laughs> <laughs> then we're, we're at the expo and whose dress is front and centre? Charlene Mitchell's. Pretty amazing that. I, I don't know where they dragged that out of. They must have had it from the Mad, from Madge's, um, Madge's uh, loft. They would have got it out of that when yeah. she died. It was up in the, the attic of the Brendan and they've just dug it out. So, yeah, so we're at the expo and Lucy and Jane are looking at Charlene's wedding dress and they're saying what a beautiful um, wedding it was and how Jane always thought she was going to find that one true love. And then they also put in a line about how they were the best bridesmaids ever as well. Yeah, up until the point where Jane fell in love with Scosh and you know caused friction in the wedding in the, the marriage, but you know put on the rose coloured glasses there, Jane. That's what we do when we look back at nostalgia, don't we? We forget <laughs> about the bad times. And at this point, Tarage and Paul decide to play Cupid with Des and Jane because they've rifled through Jane's emails and worked out that she has unfinished business with her ex lover, Des. So they're just going to bring him over from Perth and just fi- fix that situation that way. Brad, yeah, don't worry about feel- coronavirus. Come over. Come over. Brad, does it feel weird when you look back? Because it felt like Des and Jane were a different generation to me as a kid. Like- yeah, they are the mate. Well, because well, it was always the, the famous four. So it was always Scott and Charlene, Mike and Jane. And Des and Daphne were almost like the, the father figures to them. Um, of about to Mike as well. Older. Yeah. Yeah, and that was because Mike stayed there with Des and Daphne for quite a while. So it was always very strange that you're just thinking, you know, Paul Keane, great guy and everything, but you, I'm sorry, Jane, you can do better. You really can. As in the first episode of the actual very first Channel 7 episode where Julie Robinson talked Des's uh, fiance out of marrying him, she should have been around, come back for this episode so she could talk Jane out of it. It was crazy. <laughs> But I was also going to say that Clive Gibbons is so much younger than his current partner, so we, we have to, you know, not worry about that sort of thing. Well, he he was he said himself that he was a Doogie Howser with his medical degree, so um, yeah, we've got to kind of get a bit blurry on those maths. Jane's talking about her, I assume, ex-husband Vic, and I'm like. Who the hell is Vic? I, cu- I could not find anything online about her husband, Vic. So Mike is Guy Pierce. So they were like high school boyfriends. And really, sorry, Jane, but you've got to be pushing 50. And if you still hung up on your high school boyfriend, just kind of, uh, that that is actually, 
saddest bitch in Arisborough Territory, if you're still hankering onto that. (gasps) The saddest bitch in Arisborough just wants to love and be loved in return. Thank you. We've been waiting for that for weeks. I can't yeah. find Vic anywhere anyway as well, but she has been away from Ramsey Street for quite a while, so she's not calling everybody about her current relationships. Oh, hang on. She had a love interest called Mark Granger who proposed to her. I remember that. That was like her her next big love after Mike. You know who's going to sort us out, the perfect blend. They'll tweet at us. But also there's a reference to Jane ending the engagement, her original engagement to Des over the phone to go look after Mrs Mangle. Which kind of puts her in baddest bitch in Arrowsborough territory right there. They just say I'm not the baddest bitch you like. <laughs> so by the end of this episode, Paul has invited Des to Paige and Mark's wedding. Why not? So he can have some FaceTime with Jane. But that all backfires because she gets wind of it and tells them both off for interfering with her love life. And then poor old Des does a Mrs. Punt like trips over the bloody heart, love heart display. He has the actual like solid wood um, archway fall onto him and squash him, which is which is not great unless it is. But the episode kind of ended on Des looking like a sea lion on the ground. He was just all <laughs> like an all head and, and body, no neck. Yeah, and to Rage basically saying, don't worry, we've got insurance for this. It's fine. Yeah, like, great. Who wants to tell you we've got insurance for this? Oh, it's important to know. Oh, many times they haven't had insurance. It was really good that she specified Oh, and did you see we had another um, old character come back tonight and that was our favourite giant baby, Gigantor. Oh, welcome back, little buddy. And Paige said to him after having not seen him for a couple of days, you've gotten big already. Bigger already and he's got lovely luscious locks and a jaunty hat. And she, Olympia genuinely showed a lot of affection towards this little guy. So it was really lovely to see them play together. Very cute because it was, yeah, as we said last time, he was played by the original actor as well. Yeah, adorable. Olympia is like she is a stone cold fox and she's so cool. And it was really great to see her break that for two seconds because she did. She was just like, I love him. And I, yeah. <laughs> Now, there's a bit of controversy in this part of the episode that was um, cut from the UK airing, which was when um, Des spoke to former, former father and said, oh, you the, you the groom. And he goes, oh, no. And then Des just goes, oh, Jesus Christ. Now, you must be Mark. Oh, no, uh, Des, this is Jackie's, Gabe's dad. But not the groom. Mate. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, mate. I'm such a drunk guy. No, no, Des, that, no, um, it, Jack's about. It's okay. It was cut. It was cut in the UK. Yet the UK got double bum. The UK got Millsy dropping his towel twice on the Tuesday bum episode, and I don't understand how that happened. And they got full wang gawk too. <laughs> Almost. Oh, you mean, yeah, because Harry copped an eyeful. Millsy drops his towel and Harry's having a Guernsey down there. Screen caps are in the Neighbours Council if you want to help yourself. I imagine that Millsy was wearing a Hawthorne sock. <laughs> Um, Thanks, Brad. Very good, very good. <laughs> I did enjoy a lot of Dez's dialogue, i got to say, when um, he does do that mix-up and he goes, oh, I'm such a drongo. <laughs> so, yeah, I loved it when he said that, you know, much like everyone else at the wedding, Dez came for a free drink. <laughs> That's one of the things I found really good about it was because um, it actually, the, especially the scenes between Jane and Dez, really brought me back to the real innocence that Neighbours was in those first few years. 
and I actually was laughing quite a bit at just their interactions. I thought it was so well done. I would actually um, really love neighbours to have them back as a recurring character, like maybe once every one or two years, just come and visit their mates Paul and Clive and a bit of reminiscing. Every every year at the wedding expo, come back, guys, you know. (laughs) Oh, shit. Renew, get another holiday. We'll get Rome one day. There was a great comment in the in the council from Michael who said, imagine watching a 1987 episode and then watching the first five minutes of Endgame. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you should change that out to the um, the grab of Dead Sank. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Jesus Christ, I'm sorry, mate. I'm such a drunk guy. Now, meanwhile, there's this is jam-packed full of Easter eggs. So while they're sitting around talking in the Willis house, Teresa's house, about the unfolding wedding, because Paige and Mark don't really get a say. They've just inherited Tom and Ian's wedding. They're talking about music, and it's just shout-out central. One of my favourite moments is the wedding song talk. Good Aussie classics here. What have we got? We've got Dave Greeny, Nina Tucker, Ty Harper. Oh, what about Torn? Never heard of it. Well, my mum used to sing it all the time. It's not really a wedding-y song, Ed. Kate, the first shout-out? Friend of the pod, Dave Greeny. Yes, it was. Kate and I have appeared on his radio show a couple of times. And then Ned. I loved Ned. Ned just saying, oh, what's this for my mum? Oh, yeah, Torn. Love it. Like, she always plays it. I thought it was yeah. great. Natalie and Brilliant. That was beautiful. We have been waiting years for acknowledgement of this. Oh, it felt like it was the best neighbours payoff ever. Almost as good as playing Golden at the wedding. <laughs> and Ben Hall, if you're listening, you promised me. You promised me a cover of Torn hasn't happened yet so still waiting that's all I gotta say now we also get as Paul's trying to talk Des into coming to the park wedding he says it's gonna be unmissable drama which is obviously the promo narration and speaking of narration the whole episode opens I can't believe you guys forgot to mention this with Carl Kennedy essentially reciting neighbors lyrics the theme song which, because he's reading out Susan's um, ceremony speech. Yeah, no, no, that was very cute. I liked that. And I, I don't mind that as a bit of a plot device. I think that was cute. Now, CJ, could you talk us through the reunion of Sky and Lana? Okay, so Sky's been up in Queensland. Yeah. You reckon Port, that's right? Port Douglas, north, far north. Okay. She's been somewhere hot with <laughs> a man and she's had three kids with him. And turns out, you know, she just wasn't satisfied in the relationship. I don't think she ever cheated on him or anything. But they've broken up and she's looked up Lana Turner on Facebook. And turns out she quite likes her high school little fling. At the time, they kissed Lana, I think, was definitely gay. And Sky was experimenting. Yeah. And Sky said, look, I just want to be friends. I remember I was actually interviewing at Neighbours when they were writing the script. And Sky just sort of, you know, said, you're more important to me as a friend. And then Lana just disappeared. Which is a massive cop out, Sky. I was so excited because I was really bored by Sky's relationship with Boyd Hoyland. Oh, yeah. That, the vanilla milkshake. And I was like, thank God, Sky's going to do something interesting for a bit. And she was into Lana. And it was a watershed moment because a lot of, you know, a lot of members of the queer community really it resonated with them and it gave them a lot of confidence to explore their own sexuality, then for Sky to go, no, I'm going to stay with Boyd. I was like, oh, come on, girl. Come on. Yeah, it, it was pretty sad and it was very like, oh, I just used you to experiment. See ya. 
Anyway, she did not just use her to experiment. Turns out she's been thinking about her all this time. They've got back together. They're in a relationship. She still hasn't told this man. I can mix him up with Stingray, which isn't fair. But anyway. Which so did Sky. Ah. But also Lana says that she just happened to be in Port Douglas. So I, I, I'm a, I agree with you. I reckon she's done a little Facebook stalk. She's seen the geotag of, oh, Port Douglas. I might go hang around there. And then they've crossed paths. Yeah, and they've they've moved quickly, true to stereotype there. They've got the U-hole out and they're going to get married. <laughs> it's the only one of the shotgun weddings that made sense in that regard. You know what upsets me though? Poor old Harold is stuck up in Port Douglas with three great grandkids just looking after him by himself. Aww. Meant to be enjoying his golden years. And I imagine that those three kids are quite tearaways. Like genetically. Actually, isn't Carrie Mangle high school age now? God, it was, a, it was a while ago, wasn't it? She should be looking after her siblings. That's not really fair. So Sky has Puffy. She lists Puffy. Uh, so re- remember, the Timmonses are the cousins of the Rebeccas. So essentially her cousin-in-law-ish. Puffy's going to help break the news to Dylan that she doesn't want him back. Because he comes down and he's like, oh, wedding expo. You're here for this. And Sky makes the mistake of saying, oh, I'm here for the wedding expo. And he's like, I'm getting married. And he's like, oh, to me? Yeah, no worries. And she's like, no, to a different person. She's getting married without any of her kids there, without her elderly granddad. Well, which would be an issue, but she did say we're going to have a separate legal ceremony up in Queensland with the family. So really the Lassiter's one doesn't count. She just wants a free holiday. She said, she goes, they're paying for our whole honeymoon. I wonder where they were going. Ooh. Oh, good, good question. Abu Dhabi? Yeah. Probably. Oh, pro- no, not Abu Dhabi. I don't <laughs> well, think the, uh, they're going to like the uh, lesbian couple there. Well, um, Lucy and Mark just set up Lasseter's Las Vegas, so maybe the gals will check that out. Lasseter's Las Vegas. <laughs> now, what about, CJ, this moment where baby Gigantor walks his mama down the aisle? Oh, my gosh, it was amazing. That wedding... Between Baby Gigantor, Mark's beautiful outfit. The kilt. And just the the pure fact that I was bracing for a bomb to go off (laughs) the whole wedding and then it just didn't. Yeah. It was so great. And most modern viewers of Neighbours, even if you don't like Mark, Kate and Vaya will have to tell me what it's like if you don't like Mark, but even if you don't like him, you want him to get married and have a baby. And he got it. He got it. It was. I found it really satisfying. I think want is a big word there. I, I kind of wanted him to be sad and alone like he was. <laughs> he's had, look, he's had the bloody big weddings. He, he's very unlucky in love. And who's to say it won't be the same in this situation? You do not want to cross Kate. Bitch holds a grudge. So <laughs> Excuse me. He arrested her on the on their previous wedding day. I just wanted this all to be a long con and get him um, – taken down for corruption on their wedding day. Well, to round off, this happens later in the week, but to round off the page mark storyline, obviously they get their honeymoon in the Philippines, nothing explodes on them, and it's genuinely lovely to the point where Mark was nervous because he's had so many failed weddings that Aaron has Aaron has to tell him to calm down and think about cleaning the oven. And um, Which, by the way, my partner and I just got a RoboVac and we've named it Breno because he cleans the house for us. Is it a detective or a mechanic? It's neither because he's just Breno around the house. Okay. He's in his civvies. That's how he identifies. Yeah. 
and they're having a dilemma about where they're going to live, Adelaide or Gold Coast. And then former, former father makes it easier for them and says, well, there's a job going in Adelaide at a parish. I'm going to move there. It is the city of churches. So unhappy. He will be so unhappy in Adelaide from the bustle of Erinsborough to Adelaide. Well, he's from the Catholic Church. Is he going to be happy anywhere? <laughs> Once they say it's the city of churches and serial killers, so so he'll he'll find a place to fit in somehow. So there's something for everybody that in Paige's life. There, one of my highlights of the week was when she sends baby Gabe back up with Jack to go home. She's like, "All right, let's go to Mark," and he's like, "Where are we going?" And she's going, "Well, no, I would like to follow you home for some quality alone time. Mm. How else is Gabe going to get a little brother or sister?" Oh man, that got me in the heartstrings because finally he's going to have a little family and a little baby and all that he wants is another baby. Baby? I'm so excited for them. Oh, and also the Dylan thing is resolved pretty quickly. Dylan cracks the shits that Sky's leaving him, but instead of the usual toxic masculinity we get on Neighbours lately with Finn, Dylan, uh, Paul Robinson talks him around. He comes back and he stands in front of the Stingray graffiti mural and he comes back and he's like, you know what? You gave me the mother of my kids. I want you to be happy. I'm here for the free drinks. Let's go to this wedding. But that was nice because it you know, reflected back to when um, Dylan was Paul's protege and you know, he's still got that mentoring role that he's able to call on. <laughs> On Thursday, Des is in the hospital. Poor Des with a busted phone. Look, I want them to do just like a comprehensive health check on Des. I feel like he's he needs a, a full physical. I also have to say, I love Des's acting. He's just he's like a non shitty Gazcan. R.I.P. Um, there's something very genuine and authentic about him. By this stage, C.J., how's the expo going? Like, Teresa's is still watching the clock. I don't even understand why this expo is still going. We're on day four. <laughs> they, other than the weddings, they haven't had new installations or activations. So it's just basically the same old wedding dress and some raffles. I don't understand how this needs to go for four days. But Therese is like, it's very, very shoddy in event planning because she's still wondering who the five weddings are going to be and she's really talking it out. She should know who all of them are. And, like, if one of them cancels, fine. You get Paige to marry Breno. He's always there for a wedding. That's it. But she's just, oh, I wonder what's going to happen at my event today. It's very underage, actually. The jig is up, honey. You're not going to get someone to get married in 45 minutes. Now, all of the Skylana plans have been put on hold because they didn't Sky didn't want to go ahead with the wedding without Dylan's blessing, which is sweet. We probably should have told him he had a girlfriend five months ago, but that's fine. Especially if she's going to integrate into your kids' lives, lives like that's important. And also their wedding site's been trashed because Des fell through it. So Therese is trying to secure a new location. And what's she come up with, CJ? They have the wedding at the 82, or that's what she's suggesting. I think that's a great wedding venue, particularly for this wedding. Why is that? Because of the way they had the bride set up in the t- with the door open. Oh. They started their marriage on equal levels. I thought that was so beautiful. Kate's going to have an issue. There is a big flaw with having your wedding at the 82 in that there's just not enough space in front of it and all the guests' chairs were set up on the road 
which is the same road that um, Coyle nearly killed Dr. Necker on a couple of months ago. <laughs> it's okay. The camera's not facing that way. The camera's facing a different way. They're, literally, the chairs are on the road, and in the background of the guest, you've got the bloody handyman or the handywoman. Just look at the tram. Actually, the weirdest thing also was that obviously it was easier for them to completely decorate the tram than it was to re-erect the arch that had fallen over in Lassiter's. That's evidence now. Oh, yeah. Where there's blame, there's a claim. (laughs) But isn't the point of the Lassiter's Wedding Expo to showcase having actual weddings at Lassiter's? Yeah, it's done no, no publicity for them. It's not a sanctioned venue. And she also tried for the pavilion, and the pavilion's not a Lassiter's venue either. Couldn't they just put them up on the um, patio where Paul and Tarage renewed their vows, allegedly? The gold chairs would have still been up. Oh, this is actually my genuine... Jane verging on the saddest bitch situation. Oh, really? You know, when Des needed her help getting up and she thought that he was actually proposing to her and I was just like, oh, Jane, no, no, that's awkward. Because she's like, oh, yes, yes. And he's like, I just need a hand up. But then he he rolled with it. He yes-anded her and said, ah, oh, well, you know, let's just do it then. It's free. But here's my big beef with the Skyliner wedding. How very dare they get a Catholic priest lapsed or otherwise, to marry two women. That's a joke. I don't care if it's fake. It's bullshit. I'm reporting him to um, Bishop Verde. (laughs) It's just the Catholic Church is openly not cool with same-sex marriage. So Jack's got no business being there and Ned's got no business recruiting him. So I was not happy with that at all. I'd rather Ned just married them. Well, Paul could do it like he did later in the week. Oh, which which was gorgeous. Well, we should move to that. Friday starts off with old mate shitbag calling St. Charlene's dress a meringue. You're going to have to narrow down who the shitbag is you're talking about, Kate. Oh, there's a, oh, the, the guy hanging out with Mackenzie. Oh, Richie. On Friday, we've been waiting all week for a ceramic pig storyline, for a nice lighthearted sea story, and we got it twofold. Firstly, with Sheila and Clive. There's a competition um, where you can win a $7,000 wedding dress at the expo. And everybody's getting the impression that Sheila is super keen to marry um, Clive. But here's where I was glad to have representation for my people, and that's the people living in sin with their partners. Because I don't want to get married, society keeps banging on about it, and Sheila and Clive are happy as they are. So, of course, Sheila ends up winning the $7,000 wedding dress. And she did what I would do with it. She's selling it. But there's light relief there. What's the other piece of light relief is that both Des and Jane, CJ, have asked who to be their best man? Paul. Because he's wonderful. (laughs) So they've both asked him. And I don't know I actually heard Paul say, oh, Jane's already asked me. Like he just, he's annoyed that they haven't figured that out. But also like... Jane has Lucy there. Oh, Lucy's maybe gone on a honeymoon. But Jane has other people there. She has Dippy. She has lots of people there. Des has no other people. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, imagine if she's like, no, I've got Paul. And he's like, well, all right, I'll go get, um, I don't know, Richie. <laughs> Do you want to be my best man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like he's just been at the hospital, so maybe it'll be Dr. Nacker. Yeah. I don't know. Um, has Gigantor anyway. left yet? <laughs> he's having Cl- a beer. Well, actually, Clive could have done it. They had a nice hug. 
Well, the thing is, yeah, like um, Paul was Des's original groomsman, and I feel like was Des a groomsman for him at one stage as well. Like I don't know. The the first episode, which they actually referenced on Wednesday as well, was when um the neighbors started off with Paul dressed up as a man baby. <laughs> which is odd. There's a mood killer for you, CJ. Yeah. So instead, what Susan suggests is that she doesn't really have to be a celebrant for this wedding. A, she's over it. She's done, you know, three already. Um, And B, it's not a real wedding. So Paul is the celebrant, which I just thought was a lovely little nice touch. But Susan, the whole point of you being at the expo is to show off what a great celebrant you are. Yeah, to Lassiter's punters, not to tram passengers. You know what? I think that this is just Susan's nose for business shining through because she knew that these two weren't influencers. They don't have Instagram accounts. <laughs> this is her community service. Yeah. yeah. And by now she's like, I've got MS. i got to put my feet up. I'm done. Got to find me niece. Yeah, no, I can't get on to my niece. So um, when you're talking about what terrible friends Mackenzie and Richie were at the start, they got rumbled in about 10 seconds <laughs> that um, Hendrix and Harlow weren't actually with them. You know why? To rage, Greek mother, she can see through this bullshit in four seconds. Don't even try. Do not even try it with her. Mackenzie, is Harlow with you guys? I've been trying to call her all morning. It's going to voicemail. Uh, no, she's not with us. Well, do you know where she is? I think she went... To the, the movies. Sorry, I'm in the library. Well, which one is it? Oh, am I right? Assuming that it's neither. So then Paul decides, oh, yeah, I'm heading to the island. I'm going to, you know, make sure Harlow's all right. Then obviously sets a train in motion for the um, endgame episode that followed. And that's it. Now, the wedding, the wedding episodes didn't do it for me, obviously, as much as the late night episodes. Nothing could. Nothing ever will again. But they served a very sweet purpose and they were a great nostalgia party, I thought. No, look, Wednesdays was lovely, and I think it was a really beautiful tribute to the history of Neighbours. I don't think they needed to do five. I think they could have made five be something else. Yeah, no, but that was the thing. It was three deaths, five weddings. Yeah, but I think five made it too chaotic for the weddings. Five should have been a Everybody loves a Neighbours wedding. By the end. But I think most people would only remember three weddings because they're thinking, who are the other ones, you know? I, I kind of agree with you there. I think it was a bit... Maybe they could have had... Three deaths, five brides. Well, that sounds a bit Mormon, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> no, 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 five brides. No, because you yeah. You know what? I think that they should have just done some celebrity ring-ins, like I said last week. Oh, yeah. Just have like a wedding that we all just think's funny, but it doesn't mean anything to us at the end. Yeah. Get Mrs. Punt in. Yeah. Maybe she could marry the dog. I mean, that's what I'm looking for. Or even two dogs, Mrs. Punt and Mrs. Punt's dog and Clancy get married. <gasps> that... <laughs> Would sell tickets. That's a forbidden love right there. (laughs) All right. Well, shall we end with a couple of the Easter eggs we may have missed? There is a thread going in the Neighbours Council, started by Katie, kicked off with all the Easter eggs. Tom and Ian, we've got, we've covered Declan's car, which was Prue's um, casket. Mark Gottlieb in their vows mentioned serendipity, which was his sister's name. Played by Rayleigh Hill. Rebecca mentions the storage code. Oh, the storage cage number, Kate, you mentioned, which was Neighbours's birthday. The 18-3-85. Oh, at the wedding expo, there was a brochure that said um, there was one for Danny Stark designs and also um, for camisole fashions. 
perfect. Fiona Cork, yeah. That's a throwback to the old credits where there was a specific credit in every, every episode to Fiona Cork dressed by camisole. And we haven't found any camisole outlets online, which is a shame. I tried. I tried a lot to try and track down what happened to that business and I just could not find any details about it. <laughs> Sally mentions the Kate's favourite landmark, the old Watson Mine, <laughs> which could be a shout out to Reg Watson. Definitely. Series creator. The other um, geographic points on that map, I think were mentioned in this thread as well. There's um, Webb and Wilcox are other features. Marita Wilcox, I feel may have been the actress with the most different roles on um, Neighbours. Yeah, she played six different roles. So there was also Webb and Russell Webb was a director back in the um, 85 period as well. Perfect. I think these are also in Mark Gottlieb's vows. Stefan Dennis's single title, Don't It Make You Feel Good. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah mentioned someone said especially for you. Yeah. And P.S. Sarah's been crowned the new mayor of the Neighbours Council because of her excellent um, Millsy bum artistry and many colourful phrases she coined in our chats this week. I thought maybe Mark being in a kilt was pointed out by Susan on the show that was a throwback to possibly Drew and Libby's wedding because Drew was in a kilt. It was also mentioned that Scott McGregor's um, Scottish mm. and I wonder whether it – I mean, he must – he is totally Instagram guy that would wear the kilt at his wedding. <laughs> I feel like that was probably his wedding outfit. <laughs> and it's like he grew that beard just to wear that outfit. Oh, whatever reason, I'm behind it. Katie also mentioned that she thinks Paige calling Paige and Tarage calling Gabe big was an Easter egg, which I feel like is an Easter egg just for us, not for the whole show. Oh, yeah. Look, every fan thinks that child was, was humongous because right when he was born, he was like the size of a six-month-old baby. Yeah. I met a baby Gabe the other day, like a five-week-old, and I didn't know how to deal with him because I'm like, this is not what a baby Gabe, how small a baby Gabe is. Um, oh, Katie picked up also Cricket in the Street. Emma asks, was the camper van in the distance when Des arrived a nod to Harold? Because he went camping around Australia. Now, Brad, you said you looked up to see if Des trips over in the original opener. Yeah, no, he doesn't trip over anywhere through it. So I don't know whether or not. I reckon that might have been a bit of an in-joke just for him. Ah. I I felt like it was like unintentional. (laughs) Well, that's bloody Easter sorted. Uh, Jump into the Neighbours Council and comment in Katie's thread if if we missed any others. I'm just all for the torn reference. Oh, God, it gave me a laugh. Are you pumped for Clochella? Let us glamp your style at our five-star eco-tourist destination on Unnamed Island. Unfortunately, we're not taking any bookings for the rest of the year. No, we haven't gone viral. We're just closed for re-landscaping. And until Forensics has given us the go-ahead. So sign up to our mailing list at graceandglobal.com because Clochella 2021 will be lit. Not literally, though. Free welcome basket on arrival. Hey neighbours, Mike Farrah here. I absolutely adored the Des and Jane wedding. I'm a sucker for 80s nostalgia and I wasn't even born in the 80s. I would pay good money to get them back on a recurring basis permanently, which would be my dream. But island episode wise, too many to choose from. But my favourite was definitely just that ending sequence. The use of the song Zombie was pitch perfect it gave me chills also special shout out to gary getting yeeted into our memories hi neighbors my highlight 100 was finn swearing because apparently i am a child 
Guy here. My favourite bit from the wedding episode was definitely Ned saying his mum used to sing Torn all the time. Proper laughed out loud for that one. And in terms of the island one, not seen Fridays yet, but I'm loving Carl and Roxy together, which makes me fear for both of their safety. Keep up good work. Hi neighbours, it's Andy. I loved Wednesday's episode so much. It was such a love letter to the fans, full of heart, full of Easter eggs, like Des and the old theme tune, Shane and Dippy recreating the old titles, Camazole, Danny Stark. Gazcam was never my favourite character, but as he was unceremoniously harpooned, I realised I'd miss his larrikin ways and his inexplicable luck with the ladies. Hey neighbours, it's Kayla for Neighbours Talk. So my reading highlight has to be the park reading because I've always been a fan of Mark and Paige, or as we like to call him, Detective Mechanic. But I also have to say the acting of Bonnie Anderson and Gemma Donovan has been great too. Simon here. Island Week has been a bit scary for me, so I'm going for something from Wedding Week. I loved having Dylan Timmons back. I could take or leave him as a character when he was in it, but this new, mature, sweet, funny version, I think he'd fit right in. Love that Paul Dylan catch-up, and yeah, bring Dylan back. Bones! I love a good neighbour's bone, but usually we just get Carl and Toady on some weird nudist storyline. This was actually pretty raunchy. First we got Kyle and Roxy going skinny dipping, then we had Finn's naked pond swim, then we had the dropping the towel moment with Harry Sinclair and the gay criminal pond sex. This will probably go down in history as my favourite ever neighbours episode and it's all because of the bums. My wedding highlight, Mark and Paige. Nice to see Mark finally get a bit of happiness. My island, I'm going for a low light. Gary's arrow face, that will haunt me for a long time. I really feel sorry for poor Gary. I mean, he's not the smartest guy in Erinsborough, but he was the only guy that actually thought there was something wrong with Finn. And then he gets an arrow in the back. Oh my God, did we just see Gazcan getting shot in the back with an arrow that is entirely my highlight of the week on the island. Flippin' Eck, thank you for that, Milzy. That was amazing and terrible at the same time. Wedding highlight has to be Des driving up the street while the old theme tune played. I felt like I was a child again watching Neighbours with my best friend on her living room carpet. I cannot wait for next week. Ah! Hi there, Rob Mills here. I've got to say my favourite moment watching it back this week would have to be Finn chasing down Gary. Just chasing everyone down around the island, but specifically chasing down Gary with a bow and arrow and then killing him with one shot. Oh my God. Now, what we need to do is citizen and citizen of wedding week because we've done it for the island mob. Yep. Kate. Citizen is going to um, Paige for raining on Mark and Lucy's parade and <laughs> being tacky and proposing to her fiancé at the wedding. Brad? Who was the person who um who called Kylie's dress a... Um, oh, that was a, Richie. A, I actually think Richie is a bit of a shitison for basically shitting on Kylie's dress and calling it a lemon meringue. Because without Kylie, sorry, you would never have a wedding expo. You wouldn't exist, Richie. <laughs> CJ? I don't think I've ever done this, but I'm going to give citizen to Jack, former, oh. former father Jack. Whoa. For moving to Adelaide, yeah, so that our Mark can have a better life. <laughs> Do you really reckon he's going to have a better life with former former father just breathing down his neck every second weekend? Now, nah, Paige and him are going to have like a whole little litter, and there's Gabe's just going to be sort of like this, you know, overlord of these children. It's going to be lovely. Look, the Catholic Church. They've got a lot of work to do. Jack's going to have to roll his sleeves up and get in there in the press team, get some stuff sorted out. 
I love how he was like, oh, there's a job available in Adelaide. And it's like, oh, Jack, there's a job available everywhere for people like you. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say citizen of the week because you know what? People put a lot of work into their work sometimes. A certain breed of alpha, a certain breed of type A personality, and that's Tarage Willis. You're going Citiz- Tarage. Wow. Citizen of the Week. That is a big fuck off event. And it wasn't entirely her idea. Like Chloe started it, Lucy picked it up and ran with it. She was saddled with these five weddings. And you know what? She had her KPIs that she was trying to hit. Lassiter has been through the ringer. It's her first month back on the job. She gave it all her all and then some. So well done, lady. Hey, um, how the hell did Chloe get annual leave during the bloody wedding expo? Because they, I don't think Paul wanted her around. Tarage could have done with a, a helping hand from her PA. Oh, yeah, she was frazzled. And her hair, running an event with your hair down is near impossible. She didn't even have a top knot or anything. It's incredible. She needs a messy bun. Yeah. I would love to see her in a top knot. Or just a chignon or something. Um, is that everything that we do? <laughs> I'm going to let you know something, I guys. Kate- I found the shop for Camazol. <gasps> no way. What? <gasps> which opened on November 18, 1986. It was one of the first women's shops that opened in the new Queen Victoria building. Oh, my God. Oh, in Sydney? Queen, yeah, it must be Queen Vic in Sydney. It has to be. They were expecting the clothes to arrive, but they, they didn't arrive for the opening of the shop. They arrived <laughs> on a Friday. That is some Lassiter shit right there. So good. Thanks, Getty Images, for this information. Wow. Well, I reckon we can track some people. There's a picture of it. I can, I've got a picture of the actual shop. Great. We'll post in the council. We've got Brad's picture with Daphne, Bride Daphne, and a few other gold nuggets. This is our mission going forward is we're all going to put our heads together. We're going to contact some people in that image and we're going to find Camazole, someone, some shareholder. I've actually got a story about Fiona Cork because um, my dad was a bank manager and my dad was a bank. I'm going to ring him after this on the way home, but my dad was bank manager (laughs) at Jam Factory for Westpac Bank. And one of the companies that he helped give loans to was... Fiona Cork wore their clothing. No. It wasn't Camazot, it was there something else. Because I remember my, oh. my dad bought a whole lot of clothing back for my mum. And it was horrible 80s stuff. But it was like, yeah, I need <laughs> She to. must have been pretty bloody glamorous to be the, the, oh, the yeah. person on the show called out to be wearing the designer clothing. Oh, incredible. Maybe she's a stakeholder. Well, maybe. Smart, smart. The 80s, greed is good. <laughs> Neighbours Council is our Facebook group. That's where all the action is. Go and see some of these happy snaps from Brad's early fan days living over the back fence at Pinot Court. Brad, can people chat to you on Instagram maybe? Yeah, of course they can. It's Brad Walks. And you go to quite a lot of gigs. You are a music buff and you've probably gone to every ex-neighbours performance. So people should check out your snaps. Yeah, I do quite a bit, don't I? What's the most recent neighbour you've seen do a gig? Of course, I went to I went to Jason at Chicago, but also before then it would have been Natalie. I went and saw Natalie do some of her shows in London. Which Natalie? Natalie Imbruglia. Oh, she did some acoustic shows. She did the unplugged shows. Ned's mum, come back to us. Come back. <laughs> I know it's what we need. So that's Brad Walks on Insta. CJ, you're on Insta as well. At CJ the Hot Mess Mum. Kate, I'm at Remued on Twitter. I'm Vaya Pashos. We are Neighbours Pod. Make sure if you haven't already, you've listened to the first part of this double ep where we recap all the island shenanigans. Now, next week is going to be utterly terrifying. 
because there's going to be some psychological thriller with Susan and Finn. We've got Susan in peril. And people have got to come somehow get off that burning island. But we're obviously going to have somebody die because we've been promised. Yeah, the body count has got to go up. Although it is all of us. The third death is all of us after that reveal of Friday with Gary's pewter corpse. I won't recover. That was awful. But Gary, you deserved better. But, mate, we're neighbours. We're actual neighbours. So maybe my mission now will be to try and meet Gazcan for reals. I've got some ground to make up with him. You'll be really shocked because he'll have a lot of colour and (laughs) you won't know how to deal. You can wrestle some toilet paper off him down at the shops. Yeah, actually, that's probably how we will come into contact. (laughs) Brad, you know how I think Jason should come back to Neighbours? When um, when Gemma eventually leaves the show in the yellow taxi, he should be the driver. He's come down from Queensland to pick her up. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, no, like they don't they don't mention why. Like he just says, "We're two love." That would be actually very good. I agree. Or if they really did just have him, she goes, "All right, I'm going to Queensland." Hey, Uncle, because he's Uncle. Uh, Hey, Uncle Scott. And he just takes her. I just wish there'd been more references when she started about how much she looks like her great uncle. Well, there's still time. Well, Brad, thank you for tripping down memory lane with us. Thank you for having me. It was great fun. And gals, we're going to figure out this quarantine situation and work out what we're doing next week. But we're going to do it. We're going to do it. We'll be fine. May said when I cancelled my flight, I was saving lives. So we're saving lives by quarantining. For this podcast. We are lifesavers. And you guys are all lifesavers for being hilarious online with us this week too when we all needed it. Stay safe and uh, strap in for another nutty week on Neighbours. Yeah. Watch out for some bows and arrows. Thanks, guys. Speak soon. Bye. Bye.